Welcome to the Readings Podcast, a fortnightly celebration of books. I am delighted and honoured to introduce today's episode, a conversation with Diane O'Brien, also known as Auntie Di. Her new book, Daughter of the River Country, is a remarkable memoir of abuse, survival, and ultimately, hope. Auntie Di is currently the chairperson of Mingaletta Corporation, an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community hub. In 2017, she was named New South Wales Grandparent of the Year. She has held many senior positions in government organisations and has also worked in legal services and as a drug and alcohol counsellor. Before we start, a quick reminder, as this is a recording of an event held live via the internet, there has been some impact on the sound quality of the episode. And now... Here's the host of the event, Mari Madison. Welcome to the Readings Podcast. My name's Mari. I'm one of the event staff at Reading. And today I'm really excited to be in conversation with Auntie Di O'Brien about her memoir that's just come out, Daughter of the River Country. Welcome, Auntie Di. It's lovely to have you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. for. I'm honoured to be here. <laughs> We're honoured to have you here. It's really, really lovely. I'm uh, based down in Fitzroy in Melbourne, which has a very proud and prominent Aboriginal history. Yes. And I know you're on the Central Coast and reading your book, uh, getting to your stories about finding out about your history, I kept seeing all these landmarks around me here. Yeah. Really amazing. There's one part in your book where you say, all of a sudden things made sense to you. Yes, because when I start the journey, I'm finding my heritage. A lot of things when I was younger that didn't make sense start to fall into place. Yeah. You know, um, even the reason to get taught by Jimmy Little to play the guitar, you know, like why did mum take me? Yeah, why did mum take you to an Aboriginal man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she was Irish. So they yeah. were brought up in the Irish culture. Yeah. So and then um, when I met Aunt, Uncle Boydie, well, then he put everything into place, and that's William Cooper's last grandson. And yeah. then he um, filled in the gaps. So even now that the book's out there and sometimes I read over it thinking, wow, all that stuff that I had in my head that didn't make sense is start it has fallen into place and you you write that so beautifully in the book you start off and you just know something's wrong yes yeah so you were adopted yes. when you were very young yeah. um and you start the story as a small child living with your mum and dad and you moved to granville in sydney yes yeah. I was three years old when we moved to Granville from Parks. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Granville and I left there when I was 14 when they put me in Parramatta Girls Home. Yeah. Starting a, there a is different a, life, a different pathway. Different life. It was a very powerful book to read. Thank you so much for writing it. It's also very, very exposing of you. Did you find it exposing to write? How did you... How did you feel? Not like? at first, not at first, because I wrote it for my children. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to, uh, I always wanted the kids to know that there was something better behind me. 
you know, it wasn't just me and my kids. Yeah. And we have got a history of some kind. So I always wanted to leave notes. I've left, you know, I write letters to the kids even now and keep them when I pass. And, you know, I've always been like that. So, um, And my friend, she read the transcript and she said, well, why don't you um, put this out? has a book because there's things in here that might help other people, some of your strategies and that. Yeah. And I, oh, no one would want to read that. You know, that's like putting your life out there. And <laughs> so in the end, I did. And I, I'm just flabbergasted at, at how it's affected a lot of people. I've had nothing but good feedback. Um, it'll make a difference to some people. Uh, the feedback has been fabulous you know and um so I'm so proud because it didn't hit me as a has a my stuff it didn't hit me but when it become a book and I thought no one would read it it's just amazing yeah I mean but it is it, it is there's so much in there for I feel for lots of people to get so much from and you say many times that you are. I mean, you're looking for family, and what you said then about your um, children, and your grandchildren, and wanting them to have this sense of something behind them. Yes, that's really powerful in the book. I um, I love the point as you keep meeting people, you keep meeting Aboriginal people who come up to you or mention to you that they yeah. they would know you or know your family or they recognise something yeah. in you. Yes, you're feeling very alone. You're writing about about that sort of loss, not having anyone on your side when and all these state apparatus that go the other way. Yes. has a lot behind them. But you, the whole time you're writing it, I'm getting a whole sense of there being a thing behind you that can help as well. Yes, so yes. You definitely get that feeling across. And, and going down to Cumra in yeah. the land of my great-grandfather, that was just... An honour, you know, that was just great. Even though, you know, the kids went through a little bit with people because they weren't born and bred there, but it taught them and they learn about their culture. And um, I think it was, I thought it was the worst thing I'd done was to, you know, the kids follow me down there. But in the end, it was the best thing I'd done. And then my time had finished with all the development and that we did. So, um when I come to Central Coast, I thought, oh, well, I must have been meant to be here because I've been the chair at Mindaletta since 2006, so my job's still going. <laughs> you keep starting jobs and ending up the chairperson. <laughs> <laughs> That's in my resume too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah like you, just, you just started at Mingaletta and you end up chairperson there and you're in charge of the other. Legal yeah. service I started as the cleaner. And yeah. And my way up. And I was drinking them days too. Yeah. And, um, and I worked my way up to a board member and then I got trained to be the CEO. So in the end I was the, my solicitor's boss. <laughs> and they were <laughs> so proud. They said... You were yeah. so proud of you coming from down the ladder up here. Mm. Now you're our boss. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, that comes up so often in your book too, which I found really 
actually it reminded me a bit of my nan actually the way she would tell a story mm. way back and my aunties would tell stories there's a lot of really horrific things that are happening really hard things for you and for your family yes always a bit of humor in there there's always a moment well if you can't laugh you know you've got to laugh you've got to have something to smile about because when I first wrote that script it was called on my own and that's what I picked up all the way through I was always having to work out stuff on my own I had no one to turn to um I had to think for myself um yeah so I think that made me stronger that hard life made me stronger oh I mean you're incredibly strong but I think you also write a lot about then what you can do with that. Yes, like yes. How you use that to, to help other people. Yes. Right towards the end of your book, you write a sentence that is so powerful to me, which was when you spoke to people who'd um, come through Mingaletta who'd used services there and you asked them what they got from it and 63 women said yes. they, would be, they would be dead if it hadn't been for Mingaletta. Yeah, that's correct. And um, they feel it's a safe place. And I think what you said then about having to work things out on your own and what you offer there where it's just helping people navigate this crazy world of institutions and things that work against you, like you said, and it's sort of just helping people get on to housing. Yes. Get a job, just get them sort of, you know, linked up with things. And has that been something you've, like, linking up? I mean, starting with, like, link up, which... You were the second ever. Yeah. Artist. A lady called Dixie was the first one. Yeah. And I was the second one. And that was thanks to Coral Edwards and um, Peter Reed. They yeah. were the founders. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. That's going back a few years, about 30, yeah. something, 40 years. Yeah. I know. But it all feels very, it all feels very, you know, now to me because um, yeah. I read your book recently. So to me, it's all happening in my head at the same yeah. time. <laughs> but I, I do love the way you talk about your own story, but you also keep linking in to, to what's happening in development of Aboriginal rights yes. and Aboriginal yes. people. And um, that was um, part of the ghostwriter's um, job. Oh, okay. Yes, so yeah. she, um, you know, I, I said to her, you made it. I've never even thought to do that. Um, mm. She's put in the times of what's happened to me and when it's slid, slotted into the different uh, policies. And so yeah. growing up, I didn't know nothing about that. I just, yeah. this is how it is, this is how we roll, so we've got to do it and keep alive and keep safe. Yeah. So to me it was, well, uh, I have to do it. And I didn't think of it as, um, yeah, this is hard, this is really hard struggles, but... I believe in God, so I often mm. say, oh, what are you throwing at me now? You know, what have I got to do now? I've jumped that hurdle. Now what are you going to give me next? So I think that's kept me strong as well. But mm. I got harder. I think when I got flogged so much, I started standing up for myself. Mm. And, um, yeah, and this is the point I get across to people in domestic violence. You don't have to be there. I had to because there was nowhere to run. You know, yeah. it was the 50s and the 60s and 
and women's lib wasn't around and, you know, there was nowhere. And anyone that tried to help me would get into trouble. Yeah. So no one would want to interfere because yeah. it's, uh, it's between him and her. So I used to keep going back because I had the kids and I couldn't work. Mm. And, um, yeah, we had to survive. Now, in the last, what, 40, 40-odd 40 years, we've been fine. The kids are happy. I'm happy. There's no domestic violence. You know, there's only me yelling and screaming at all the kids. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are a lot of them. So. <laughs> that seems a sensible way. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to forget some of their names. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. My mum has two and she forgets our names too. Don't worry. <laughs> and she's younger than you, so, you know, what's her excuse? <laughs> oh, well. It's funny you said that at the beginning you'd called it on your own. Mm. Where did the title that you end up with come from? Well, I was always um, in our conversations, me and the ghostwriter be talking, mm. And um, I was always near the water. I always seemed to roam out to the ocean or to the creek, to the, anywhere near water. And yeah. I seemed to relax. Even we had a creek in Granville called Ducks Creek. It was only a creek. Yeah. <laughs> but I was near water. <laughs> so um, we, we said first the daughter from the Murray River and then, um, no, I've always been... It's always been water, yeah, mm. and it soothes me. I could go out fishing and just sit in the boat looking at the water, I'm not yeah. worrying about the fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's funny. It's growing up. That's uh, what my best friend's mum called it. She didn't call it fishing. She called it waiting. We never caught anything. Yeah, let's <laughs> go waiting for a few hours. Yes. yes. <laughs> So um, Daughter of the River Country, and, yeah, you, as you say throughout the book, how much water means to you. So yes, Murray, yes. but all water, all the rivers. Yes. yes, all the rivers, yeah. And you, you, you live everywhere. I know. We travelled around a lot because of the second husband. He used to uh, follow the picking and that. And, um, yeah. And he, let, he dumped us in different towns and took off and, so we had to struggle ourselves. So what I used to do was um, we had a pension wasn't out then. It was called a social welfare check. And I'd send yeah. it to the next post office in the next town. So if oh. we left one town, when we got to this town, we could go in and get our check and have something to eat and that. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. picking time. And, you know, the kids grew up okay. That's what I said to the kids. They should write a book mm. on the survivors of Diane O'Brien. <laughs> and what did they say to that oh they laughed but they got yeah. stories because all that trauma in my life it must yeah. have went through to my children because we grew the first four kids grew up pretty hard and then yeah. uh, when we got a house in Mount Druid I swore we'd never move so we lived there for 21 years and um and David and Cindy they're the two young ones well, they yeah. didn't travel like we did. But David often says he wished he did, you know, because of the stories I've told him when we've been travelling. Yeah, so I tell the kids stories and stuff, but they didn't know anything about this book. Didn't they? <laughs> uh, nah, as some yeah. of the kids have rang me up and grandkids and said, you didn't tell us all this, Nan. I said, yeah. well, it's not your business. <laughs> it's my business. 
and um, my past. So now you yeah. can read it in a book. Yeah. yeah. And you only have to tell it once then. They can yeah. all read it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how have they been? Have they? Oh, they've been good. My yeah. boys were a bit upset because um, of Colin O'Brien. Um, yeah. we, you know, my oldest girl, Deb, she wanted her father in her life. So we, when they used to come and visit, Colin visit his kids, mm. I would leave the house, go shopping or whatever. So I let him into their life. But the thing was, Debbie wanted it that way. And yeah. so I said, well, it was none of your business to the other kids. I said, you's all accepted him, you's all love him. And the grandkids call him Big Pop. So that's their life, you know, like he's yeah. done no harm to them. So, um, yeah, so I yeah. can't see why they should be more angry with him knowing the past because they've already accepted him in the future, you know, as a but yeah. he's in an old person's home now and he's got dementia. Yeah. So um, they don't, no one goes near him. His whole family have died and, um, you know, all his siblings and that. So yeah. he's lost. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, it's um, so it's a big, I mean, it's a big thing for your family though. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, big, and that was the only thing that they didn't like, that I wasn't open but like I say, they, they weren't born, only me and Debbie and Linda. <laughs> so yeah. it yeah. had nothing to do with anybody else. And, mm. um, yeah, so now it's yeah. out there. They're saying, yeah. oh, you taught us morals and you taught us this and this and you kept that hidden and da 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 But that's only the boys, you know, because the boys All are right. yeah. yeah. Uh, Debbie and Linda already knew half of the stories because they grew up with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you say a few times in the book, you know, you remove them as much as you can. Yes. But you can't, they can't not know. Oh, yeah, no. Um, my daughter's yeah. read the book, Linda, and she said she remembered a lot of things. Yeah. And, and she told me some stories from the book um, that I missed, you know. And yeah. she said, oh, there's a lot of things in there that are not there. And I said, oh, well, that would be an another book, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. is Linda going to write the book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She'll write it with you. I guess yeah. this is. Our ghost writer. <laughs> yeah. And ghost writer. I, I think, as you say towards the end of the book too, you hope that it leads other people. I said in the back of the acknowledgements, I think, I've got the yeah, book. yeah, something about um yeah. I'd like. I hope it that it makes a difference to uh, some other yeah. people's lives. And there's strategies there that didn't work for me, but might work for other people, like going to rehabs and that, and yeah. detox and things. Well, a lot of people mightn't like to do that. And I had and when I tried to stop getting off the alcohol, I used to have a diary and I. I'd count how many days I was off the alcohol, you know, just put a circle around each day that I didn't yeah. drink. And But that didn't work for me because I looked back and I thought, oh, that's three weeks I haven't had a drink. Well, my liver will be good, so I'll have another <laughs> drink. So that didn't work. <laughs> I no, worked with somebody else. <laughs> yeah. 
I love in the book is that you're just saying, you're just putting those things forward. Yes. yes. Giving your story. It's not everybody's story. It's it's yours. No, no, it's my story. Yeah. It's your story. And I think that's really important. I think it, reading it, I was like, oh, this is a bit like my family or this is a bit like my family. Yes. But, you know, but it's your family. Yeah. But it also keeps coming up. Yeah. You know, as you say, you applied for your records. Whenever you apply for records, you run into a, a roadblock. Yeah. They want to give you adoption records or you get them from um, Parramatta. When I got them from Parramatta, they're all uh, blacked out. I couldn't even yeah. make sense. I wanted to see what some of the reports were from the doctors and things, but mm. nothing. Do you feel like this is a way of actually getting the stories out there? Yes, there's a lot of stories out there. Sometimes I say to my people down here, you've got to stand up and be counted. You know, we've got, to, we've got to get those kids educated in the politics and that and get somebody into parliament. You're not going to get anywhere. It's just like a losing battle. We get, you know, three steps forward and two steps back. Yeah. This is our history. So the kids need to stand up and be counted. And... Like I say, I hope some of the stories in the book work on some people, but they can always come down to Mindaletta anyway and I can help them, you know, um, yeah. fit through. We, and we do that. We run groups left, right and centre. We're all volunteers. Nobody gets paid. And, um, you know, like I say, I'm an old dinosaur. So um, <laughs> <laughs> they just come down and feel comfortable and they relax yeah. and especially mental health and suicide prevention. Um, yeah. So, um, I, and I committed suicide that many times, but sometimes I think it wasn't to kill myself, I just wanted to hurt myself or go to sleep, you know. Um, the last time I did it, it was really bad, so I swore I'd never do it again because I had all the kids and grandkids. So yeah. I wanted to be here for all of them. Yeah. I think... Um that comes through a lot um at several points during the book you talk about that you doubt whether you can do something people say no it's actually your experience that allows you to do it yes rather yes. than the qualification when you do the uh, alcohol and drug counseling when you do the court mm. advocacy yes when you're right back and when you went from cleaner to ceo <laughs> when you did all of those things that people the good people who, who you knew would say, no, that's actually the point. Yes. I think that's something that just needs to keep happening, that people who have got experience yes. need to, to give them that confidence. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I joined legal service because of my kids getting into trouble, the boys riding motorbikes around and all that. Then I learned, you know, I started to get interested in the law and then, um, and I was an activist before I even found out and had ID that I was Aboriginal, um, yeah. fighting for my people and land rights and the AMS and legal service. The legal service was the opener because when I become the drug and alcohol counsellor, that young girl come and she gives me hope because she was only 26 or something and she mm. come into the hotel and said, um, I want you to be my drug and alcohol counsellor. Well, I had, was just about to drink a drink and went, oh, my God, Father, why would you want me to be a drug and alcohol counsellor? I'm a drunk. And she said, that's why, because you walk the walk, the talk, talk, and you lived it. 
And what better yeah. woman? And everyone respects you even though you're drunk, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, tra I'll train you up. You And so I did yeah. the drug and alcohol advance certificate. And yeah. then I become the drug and alcohol counsellor, which was funny because some of the clients knew of me when I was drinking and they might <laughs> say, now, when did you have your first drink? Oh, you know, aren't with you at home. <laughs> oh, don't say that in the court. <laughs> yeah, maybe leave that bit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a, a, it's been an experience all the way through and I've met so many nice people and so many troubled people. Yeah. Some have wrote me letters how they've changed, their life has changed yeah. and thanked me for helping them, which is that's my pay. That's where I, yeah. you know, that people say, you, you work for nothing. What are you getting out of it? That, that yeah. helping people. Yeah. yeah. Trying to make a difference. Definitely making a difference. Mm. I think that, that comes through pretty strongly. You're definitely yeah. making a difference. And you said your family have um, responded to the book, but you've had lots of other people get in contact as oh, well? Oh, yeah. Um, I had 50-something feedback from... Um, Oh, I think it was a magazine. Uh, you know when the book gets read by different people before yeah, it's really released? Yeah. Well, yeah. I had um, comments back from them and every one of them was, I haven't got it on me, but every one was absolutely fabulous, you know, inspiring, um, couldn't put the book down. I was only going to read a chapter and then put it down, but now I wanted to wait till the end of the chapter. One lady said it was like I was there having a cup of tea with her. So yeah. beside her. And <laughs> so I haven't had any negative. The only negative thing that was said was one of my nieces said, Oh, you forgot mum's name. She was one of my stepsisters. Her mum. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I said, Oh, well, it's all over now. It's gone yeah. <laughs> yeah that's okay you can add her in your own story. yeah yeah put it in yeah. your book. <laughs> yeah. and I think that's the thing isn't it it's just yeah. allowing that space you've got yeah. the story you've got your story there people are coming with their bits of it and that builds on that history yeah and I I was thinking I'd get a reaction off um the O'Briens in Cobart but no I've had great response so yeah it's just out there. <laughs> just, I just can't believe, you know, and the, and the feedback is so unreal. You know, you've had a, you've had a very eventful life <laughs> so far. Then. One lady said to me, um, I was reading the book and through the book I was thinking, I hope this woman done something about her father. And then um, she said, you didn't write that in the book. And I hmm. said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, did you ever do anything about your father? And I said, yeah, I'll burn his car down. And she said, what? <laughs> That's not in the book? And she said, well, actually, that is fabulous because now I can sit and relax because I was thinking all the way through, I hope she does something to this bloke. I'm there with her. I'm there with her. <laughs> and you do such, I mean, it's it's your life, but you you write it like a thriller. We <laughs> said they couldn't stop. I found that too. I get towards the end of the chapter, I'm like, but we're almost found out. <laughs> we've almost found out who, you, yeah. who your birth mother is. We've almost found out here. You're going to get away from your dad. Are you going like, 
Like you, you lived a th you've lived a thriller. You know, yeah, I can't believe it at times myself, yeah. especially when I'm reading the book and think, is that really me? <laughs> <laughs> and you said that you started by writing parts of it. So do you did you write? Because you've got twenty seven chapters. Yeah, I um. I I, I used to write diaries when I was a kid, but Dad burnt yeah. them all when I went to Paramount Girls Home. Um, yeah, I do and then I sort of started up when I had the kids. So yeah, but I've always kept a diary because the diary's proof to me. I always yeah. believe in evidence and photos and diaries are your evidence. And yeah. um, so even in my work diary, if someone abuses me or something, I just write, "Oh, today I got abused by." Da, 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 you know, <laughs> and yeah. then the diary. Well, my poor yeah. old diary got abused one day because this lady said to me, I bet it's in your bloody diary. And I said, that's right, it is. I record everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then putting it together mm. was really my great auntie, auntie Jessie, who's called Pinup, um, she wanted me to write also to because I, I put the book down. I didn't want to go any further. And then um, she said, you've got to write it and tell the true story to your kids because if you don't, they're only going to read awful stuff, you know, and they're not going to hear it from you. So I went down to the library in Sydney to look up my great-grandfather, William Cooper, and yeah. in, in there there was a, a file on my auntie pinup and Jesse Ackerson, and it's yeah. not his file. He... It's in his file has her his wife, but it wasn't. That's his niece. Oh, not a niece. That was a cousin or something. Yeah. So I went back to the mission. I said, Auntie Pinup, you want to write a book because they got you down there. Has uh, You were taken out to Cocky's Farms and she was tied up, chained and raped and served as a servant. And she had a, a, a terrible, his, you know, story to tell. Yeah. And I said, this is what you fellas should be doing, telling the stories of what happened because it just didn't happen to Aboriginal people. It happened to non-Aboriginal people that come off that bloody big boat that come over here, um, mm. them kids, you know, kids that stole bread and a pair of socks and things like that and they got put on their ship to come out to yeah. our land. So it's um, there's stories there that should be told. If yeah. they can tell it, if they can tell it, and if they do tell it, it'll come off their chest. They will feel better. It's out there. Your story's been told. Um, yeah. All that trauma and that, you know, that goes with mental health. It's yeah. all there. But if it's on paper, it's from out of your heart. You know, it's on paper and out of your head. So yeah. that's how we started. And then my other friend, she put it in the right order because when I tell stories, I jump from one story to another. So I close <laughs> that door on that story. So when we do another story time, you'll come back and you'll say, what happened over there? You didn't finish that story. Well, now I'll tell you that story. <laughs> so that's how I do story time. Yeah. Keep everyone hanging. Yeah. <laughs> you sound just like my auntie. She does that. You start in one story, you end up in another one. Yes, yes. And you're like, I just want to go back to that one where you're having a picnic in someone else's front yard for the day for some yeah. reason. You're like, oh, I'll come back to, you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll go to that one later. 
<laughs> we'll go to that one later. And yeah. later's five years later, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's very inspiring. It makes me want to write down my auntie stories before, yeah. they, before yeah. they go. Yeah. Because we, uh, you know, Aboriginal people have lost their stories. And I believe that in the storytelling, more Aboriginal people should be telling their stories. And it's for our people to get their stories out because there's a lot of non-Aboriginal people still today that don't realise what happened. And it's not taught in schools, but now I believe it is getting, um, it's in the charisma, whatever you call it. Um, oh, in the curriculum, yeah. yeah, yeah that. Some of them. Some yeah. of them, yeah. yeah. Some of it. But, but also when we were kids, we only learned about Captain Cook coming and landing. and <laughs> yeah. And I guess that comes up a lot in your book too, that that silence people wouldn't tell you. Yes. Where you came yeah, from. like it was a secret. And there are a lot of yeah. secrets, you know. And, and yeah. then I heard somebody say, oh, um, doesn't Diane know what she is? And I thought, oh, I wonder what she's talking about. So I asked mum and she said, um, I don't listen to them. They're just because you're a little bit darker than the other kids, that's all. Don't worry about it. So mum used to just log it off and yeah and she was perfect she was a beautiful woman yeah she comes she comes through beautifully in the book you you write beautifully about her yeah um sounds like a, a lot of uh well in my family is to say uh black irish yes but well, my dad was my stepdad was black irish yes and, and uh, i thought i belonged to dad but not yeah dad. i know yeah yeah my dad was told it was um People, Spanish Spanish people going to Ireland. Yeah. Like, you know, as you say, there's all these stories. You never know. <laughs> Finding out what is is the right one or what is the one that yeah, is true. Exactly. Yeah. Comes from. So that's pretty that's pretty amazing. And I, I do love the way Jimmy Little pops in and out of your yes, yeah, along yeah. the way. And then in the end comes into the AMS, Aboriginal Medical Centre. Um, then and said he was my cousin, you know, I know. all that time. You know, I was only about nine yeah. or ten when I went and met him. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Unreal. But that happened a lot during your, the book too, Is yes. or, and during your, sorry, during your life, but in, in, in your book, but people are kind of nearby or they pop in and yes. out. Yes, even my mother living yeah. around the corner. You know, but yeah. she moved into Granville when I went to Parramatta Girls' Home. But I asked her, was there a reason? Did she know Mm. that I went to the home and she come to Granville? Because that was in my head. And she said, no, they just wanted to buy a house there and they brought it, you know, around the corner from where I used to live. (laughs) And you never know, do you? Like, it's coincidence, but also. Yeah, and I never believe in coincidence. No. Say, nah, it was meant to be or this was meant yeah. to be. It's like you said, you're sort of you're meant to be where you are now on the Central Coast. Yeah. That when you when you went um down to Cumbra country and you were there, yeah. And I thought I'd live there forever because I loved yeah. it. I loved the scenery, I loved the feeling, and my grandfather walks the ground, you know, like the spiritual yeah. there. I loved it. I never, ever wanted to leave, but I could see that drugs started coming into the place and it was um, I'd run programs and people would go home at lunchtime or something like that. So 
it seemed like I wasn't getting through anymore. You know, we would we'd done all this great stuff, but it was time to move on. Yeah. And you're right. And now you're doing free time yeah. better. <laughs> I also felt like, you know, as you say, people kept like being near you. I felt like you had been uh, near me my whole life because you yes. started which I'm not from, but you visit family in Newtown. Yes. Where I'm from. Yeah, all the Calligans. Yeah. Yeah, I come from Newtown. And then you are, uh, at one point, you're in Coromel and I uh, yes. went to rule. Yeah. So, I lived in Coromel five and a half years. Yeah. I lived on Pioneer Road. Yeah. I lived in uh, Thrall for. Oh, yeah. We used to go yeah. ice skating. I'd take the kids ice skating over there. Through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then you had family in Helensburg. And I, yes. my best friend at high school came from Helensburg. And I just kept going, oh, <laughs> oh she lives here. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the same with Frankston, uh, the interview at Frankston Library the other day. The yeah. library come from Frankston. She uh, came from uh, Trafalgar and um, Yarrigan. So yeah. same with her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll probably yeah. be finding people coming out of the woodwork because a lot of people have said about Parramatta Girls Home and the um, yeah. Granville and yeah. you know, all that. And I used to be dad, they used to call me the bootmaker's daughter. So yeah. a lot of people have rang up and said, oh. because oh, they recognise that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so You've been found by everyone. <laughs> Yeah, look out. <laughs> yeah. But it, it seems that, um, as you said, you you get what you need out there in the world yes. and other people some structure so that they can do the same thing. Yes. And also get their stories told. Yes. Yeah, some of our elders and that are um, coming out of their shell and they're, you know, yeah. because it is trauma and it's terrible and some of our people keep secrets and, don't want to say anything, but it's not time yeah. for secrets. You know, you've got to be straight out. And I've always been straight with my kids. I swore I'd never keep nothing from them. Mm. Um, but then that's probably why I got into trouble about the book because I did keep it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were straight out enough with them that they found out because you were. <laughs> I think I lived a life of secrets all the time that I just didn't want the same for the next generation and the next We've got to be straight out and say it how it is. And I know it's hard. A lot of people can't do that. And that comes through the whole book, that it's the keeping secrets, not recording things. That's what what, that helps to hurt rather than heal. Yeah, and it's a long journey. Um, There was a man from Dubbo. He thought that I was one of his sister's kids. She had six kids. And but she was a prostitute or something, <laughs> and yeah. she had these six kids. And he said, "Oh, you might be one of them." But um, this was one of the journeys I had to go, you know, looking at Dubbo. Yeah. But then, when you find your people, half of Dubbo's people, Aboriginal people, came from Cumbergunja and ah. went to Dubbo and Orange and Bathurst yeah. and become Wadjuri, but they were Yorta Yorta and Wadjuri. Yeah. Yeah. So. But this is a, so much rupture, isn't it? So yeah. that much yeah. rupture, as you, as you say, trauma, people end up all over. Yeah. And yet yeah. they do seem to keep coming back. Like, as you say, you just you yeah. keep finding people too. Yeah, you keep, you've got to keep going. And there's more yet to find, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. 
Are you going to write us another book? <laughs> um, yeah, well, the kids have been saying, why don't you put all the leftovers out of there that you didn't put in the book, put it in the second book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, let you go soon, but it's been really, it's been really lovely speaking Thank to you. you. Thank you. Um, and it's been a real honour reading the book and I felt very, very personally touched by it too. Oh, thank you. I've spent a lot of my life with some of those same things happening. You know? Yes. Do you look like so-and-so? Do your family yes. come from you? I'm just yes. going, oh, I have no idea. And I still yeah. don't have an idea. But yeah. you're very inspiring. And, yeah. But that's true, you know, like, and you wonder, I, it was amazing when Mike Heaven, when I went down to Camera, you know, I looked at all them boys that looked like him and I thought, man, he lost his identity. If he didn't die and he come with me to Camera, he would have seen and fitted right in that his cousins looked like him and that, you know? Yeah. Like he just felt that he didn't belong with the other kids because he looked different. I said, you look like me. That's why you look different. So don't say... You don't belong here, you know. Yeah. But he found, if he didn't come to Cumra, the first man I met was Leon and he was a cousin and yeah. he, um, he was a dead spit of Kevin. It was like yeah. just looking at Kevin in an older age. Yeah. yeah. So that was the saddest thing that yeah. Kevin didn't find his, you know, identity. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's. Because we were told we were Greek. Spanish, Maltese, Italian. My uh, great-grandmother came from Wellington mm -hmm. in New Zealand. Yeah. She was Māori, but uh, she didn't. She was born in Narandara and she came from <laughs> Wellington in New South Wales, which is yeah. quite different. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's funny birth certificates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you get into that family history and then you start seeing some crazy birth certificates. <laughs> My great uncle told me once to stop digging because you might find things you don't want to know about. <laughs> it's all worth knowing, it seems. Oh, it is. It? It's your history. It's your background. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's what what you give me give us so much with this book, which is so wonderful, is that you, you know, it's all worth knowing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for talking to me thank today. You for reading it. Uh, Oh, loved it, <laughs> loved it. Um, just on behalf of readings, I'd love to say thank you for agreeing to do this with mm -hmm. us and just uh, for myself, thank you so much, uh, Arnie Dye, for having this conversation today. If anyone wants to buy your book, it's available at all bookshops, uh, Daughter of the River Country. You need to buy your second and your third copy to send it on to people, I'm just letting them know. Thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for everything. And I hope you get to go out and have that in-person launch soon. Yes. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Love you. Keep safe. All right, you too. Take care. You can stream previous episodes of The Readings Podcast on our website, where you'll also find all kinds of bookish recommendations and plenty of great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to eNews or to receive our free monthly print newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Production for this podcast was by me, Nico Callaghan. The show's music is by Tom Hoskins. All of our podcasts are recorded and produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation. 
we respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and that sovereignty was never ceded. <laughs>